Speaking of reliability, a podcast with good friends talking with you about reliability engineering topics. Welcome to Speaking of Reliability. This is Fred Shankelberg. And this is Kirk Gray. Hey, Kirk, have you ever made more than one thing? (laughs) You know, created a design and made like a thousand of them or 10,000 of them or a hundred thousand of them or you, you worked at a computer yeah. company. You did stuff. Yeah. Like that. I, yeah, there's definitely, uh, companies that I worked at made millions sometimes yeah. of things. Um, and, and there's a good, so this is based on a question I got last yeah. week and it was more about how do you go about from a reliability point of view, how do you make sure that the, the first product you make and the millionth product you make to, paraphrase what you're talking about mm-hmm. um are going to be you know as close to the designed intent or the reliability of what we're our design is capable right. of how do you because we all, all know that no two products we make will be identical and right. there is going to be variation um right. but that's not the only source of failure uh in the manufacturing process not just the variation it's all kinds of things that happen um, right and you could call it variation but right and and there's there's a whole bunch of ways to address that. It's you know it's a, a lot of um, is of course as everything it's dependent on a lot of factors. It's you know are you using a contract manufacturer? You're manufacturing in house, um, and you know your supply chains, um, those kind of things that are consistent. Of course, the godfather of uh, process control, uh, Edward Deming. Mm-hmm. Dr. Deming, uh, you know, taught statistical process control where you'd monitor your processes and look for variation in the processes or the end result. And any time you start to see the processes uh, excursions uh, come out of control, you stop the process and understand what the variation, what's causing the variation and get it back into, which would be six sigma process capability where every part is so far from within spec that you know that as the assembly is being made, uh, it's very consistent. And that's the whole point. And robust to all the variation it's going to see in use and all those kind of things. But behind all that, their dynamics are happening all the time in electronic manufacturing. That is, components are being discontinued. Uh, Procurement is trying to find less costly components, maybe even less costly manufacturing facility. Uh, They'll argue that these changes don't cost anything and save money. Many of them may may do that in the end, but there are a significant risk in every one of those, especially changing location, changing supplier, without evaluation of that before it is put into place uh, can lead to disasters. And I've seen a few, Um, you know, a a company changing location of where it manufactures a component or a sub assembly can significantly change uh, the capability. Yeah. I had a problem where they said, Oh, we moved to a new location, but we took (laughs) the equipment and we took the people. And so it's exactly the same. He says, okay, it's not showing up here because like one in three are failing now. (laughs) (laughs) Something. We went from a high humidity environment and, you know, or a low humidity, whatever. We were were electrostatically, you know, zapping everything we touched. I'm sorry. You can't do that and make it identical. It's, 
you know. It's, no, it, it's, but the basic question is, is that, I mean, it goes from one abs- absurd to the other. Is one is ignore it and wait till you get stuff back from the field and then do the root cause and then go um, address, either fix the system the manufacturing process and your supply chain. So that problem doesn't happen again, but you're going to be doing whack-a-mole for the, for your entire production run. Or the other extreme is to test 100% of them. To failure, to, to failure. So you never ship anything, but you'll know well, well, which ones are reliable or not. <laughs> well, I don't know to failure, but you know, well, otherwise you don't let's know. Say, let's say uh, uh, high levels of stress are using a Hass Highly accelerated stress yeah. screen or something like that, which is extremely, it's very expensive. It's expensive, and, and but it's, but it also it it's effective for doing a, a pretty broad brush on all kinds of mechanisms that it are is. common to manufacturing, electronics manufacturing in particular. And it is is comprehensive. It takes the whole assembly usually and uh, stress, you know, all the interactions that you couldn't see or observe or visually inspect or things like that, and. Uh, you know, maybe at the last step of the of the uh, manufacturing assembly process, somebody didn't plug a, a connector in, things like that. Those are common right. issues. So let's uh, let's but use that's expensive. But, but how about a completely different approach? You know, because end of line testing is it's after the fact. There's we're sorting at that point, and sometimes our sorts are better than others. Right? We can measure voltage and bin them in different ways, or we do has and say, you know, this batch is bad. Now we got a week of production we got to deal with, or an hour of production or whatever. But the 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 Deming stuff of monitoring in line and stuff. But I've run into people that go, well, we're monitoring the solder paste deposition, the height of the solder paste. Yeah. Okay. Right. Why? Well, because we can. Yeah. <laughs> have you had problems yeah, with where it? Where's that led a problem? You know, where have you seen a problem with that in the field? And if they can excite, oh, we had a problem with that in the previous product, then good. They have some motivation and reason. But if it's not, uh, oh, this one got even worse, though. It was, well, what do you do when you find that it's not put a, when, you know, a couple of the pads are not deposited? So there's no solder there for the component to be connected. Oh, we run it all the way through and we'll catch it and rework later. Oh, oh my God. You know, and like, so we alert the people for rework where to add solder to it. You know, like, oh, oh my God, this is horrible. So anyway, how about a process where you work with the design team and you're doing prototypes and, and you, you all cross your whole team for all the different reasons we make prototypes. And you mm-hmm. keep track of what kind of problems come up. Right. And some of them you're actively trying to design out or fix or address or whatever. But invariably, there's going to be some that, hmm, this one is going to be a very large source of problems just because the nature of the manufacturing process is not controlled. It's it's hand done. My favorite was somebody took a syringe full of this adhesive and had to apply it into this ring for this mating part to come down into it. Yeah. And we knew in prototyping that if they only went two thirds of the way around that ring or they had gaps yeah. in it and stuff like that, right. these parts would come apart real easy. If you right. just tapped it with your hand, that part would come up, it would come apart. Right. And so they installed a uh, automatic dispenser to okay. make the full ring of it. Right. And it tested out really great. And I, and I, of all the things we ran into, that was the one that had the highest risk because it, it didn't take much variation for it to go bad. If right. the adhesive was too 
you know, if it was old adhesive, it went to hold. If it wasn't enough adhesive applied, if there's too much adhesive applied, if the components were dirty or had contaminants in it, they went to, it went to adhere. And it was just one of those things the team and I said, you know, that's an area we really need to monitor. How about that's an area that we can improve through a design change or that well, wasn't they, possible? No, they kind of is a cheap consumer product, you know, game controller type thing. And then oh, it was, okay. and they were like, eh, no, the solutions for this would cost us way too much to, <laughs> to fix it. So we just got to count on this adhesive <laughs> okay. thing. And I said, well, if it's, if it's done well, it's fine. But if it, if that process, you know, if you train the next guy and that guy trains the next guy and that, you know, it's kind of whispering the, the right. directions to the next person, which was what mm -hmm. their technique was, um, that recipe will probably erode. That process will probably degrade. Mm -hmm. And so we need to monitor that one. Right. What about okay. all these other things we typically monitor? Well, we we don't see problems with them. We, we have, haven't seen problems with them in the field after making millions of similar products. Now. Let's skip that stuff. Let's just right. focus on this right. this and like I think there were two or three other areas that were considered pretty high risk that, that were gonna lead to major problems. Right. And sure enough, two weeks into production, these parts started coming apart with very simple drop <laughs> oh. tests that we had. And it was oh. like, okay, let's walk upstream. Well, they added two more lines for doing the adhesive by hand. Yeah. And okay. That was it. Stop doing that. <laughs> You know, yeah. But it, we had to throw away two weeks of production. Wow, and, that's and, expensive. Yeah, and I was trying to convince them, though, no, let's you know, let's monitor every chef's production, and mm -hmm. and and they're like, oh, that's too expensive. All right, well, throwing away two weeks worth is really expensive. So, right, and it's you know, all of this is an insurance process after after mm -hmm. the fact. If you can't, uh, you know, if you have a fundamental limit of technology that you really can't make more robust. Then you are, um, you know, dependent on process stability uh, and process, process improvements, right? Yeah. Process stability, process monitoring, those kinds of things. But they're really a fallback position, right? It's all insurance that yeah. you're you're trying to protect yourself from a future event, and you're betting that you will prevent it uh, and catch it. But uh, the, just like anything, it, it, the other. The unexpected can happen. And, oh yeah, and a new component usually, shows up, and you don't know it's changed or right. Because you, you can't go back the depth of the supply chain just for an IC. You've got the epoxies, you've got the lead frames, you've got the silicon, you've got the wire bonds, you've got all that stuff. That each one of those suppliers, and they're all different, uh, could change. And at the final assembly, being the First time you recognize it, it's not working, yeah. or worse, when it gets to right. the field. Exactly. Yeah. And, no, so, and, and the argument is, is that you, it's not feasible or economical to check everything. It's right. that axiom of, well, if I test everything to failure with all failure mechanisms, <laughs> then we'll know. Right. But right. no, we're not going to do that. So we back up and we say, what's the most likely things that we need to check? Where's, where's it most right. likely to cause problems? And then we can only go so deep with that before we're testing everything and or screening everything. And and even the most automatic screen in the world is is not perfect. It's gonna have false failures right. and it's gonna have false negatives or false yeah. yeah, false positive, false negatives. So we're gonna ship bad products to some extent and scrap good ones. Right. 
But if you focus only on process monitoring, like the Deming in control charts and all that kind of stuff, well, there's a diminishing return there too, is well, which areas are critical? You know, what should we be measuring that, that foretell future problems that are of high risk to us? And some yeah. people are really good at that, but others put it in place so that when they do a tour of their line at a contract manufacturer and say, hey, we measure solder paste and we measure this temperature right. and we measure this. And like, why? Oh, it's because we can. Or it makes it look like we're doing really proactive stuff here. Right. right. And, and the problem also with any of these measurements and any of these inspection processes or, or HAS and, and any kind of ongoing uh, reliability test or inspection is that if for a period of like a long period of time, nothing comes out of it, your, your manufacturing is good and excellent and capable, it gets really kind of like, hey, we've done this and you get really lax at it. Mm-hmm. And that's when the problems began. You know, yep. people say, why, you know, and the SPC charts become wallpaper and they're yep. all in control. And people didn't say, well, what is the benefit of all this? Because all of our manufacturing has been in control and we haven't had any field problems. Well, gosh, congratulations. You know, that's wonderful. But you pay, and you paid a lot, you know, just like if you pay uh, health insurance and you never get sick. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a bad bet. I don't know. I'd still like to stay on the side of, you know, Maybe I could get cancer and that that could sink me, you know, but I I don't know. We don't know. So it's like anything. There's a trade off that you do, but you've got to realize the human element involved gets pretty bored when they're measuring and measuring and measuring and measuring and the same results come out. And there's no like, why am I doing this? Well, there's a I think two responses to that. One is uh, the basic approach is one, don't test everything, and two, don't test nothing, kind of thing, be completely <laughs> reactive, but focus in on the areas that are deemed highest risk, most likely right. to cause problems and or be highly uncontrollable or, or not in control. And and continue, and the second part of that is the continuous improvement. Just right. because you're doing good now doesn't mean you can't get better and, and right. improve yields, improve you know, the precision of each product that's made and its performance, those will all have long-term benefits, which is very hard to see when you're running a manufacturing line because you're looking at filling trucks, not tweaking your line. Everybody's trying to, you know, your procurement's trying to improve the the supply chains, whatever. But in all of this, you should know during your design testing, and of course we both encourage testing to find limits, to find the weaknesses mm-hmm. early. So you should have some indication, either from also your predecessor products, uh, issues from the field. Those areas, those key process indicators are key parameters that you need to monitor. Um, yep. And as you said, you can't monitor everything. So you pick out some very key things that either have been a problem in the field or you know are, are difficult to control in manufacturing and, yep. and need need that monitor. But even with, you know, a lot of focus on right from the design part of the life cycle in through manufacturing is in putting, you know, safety nets or guards or, or right. measurement systems in place and even pulling samples and doing ongoing reliability testing mm-hmm. to failure kind of things. Um, you still have to be vigilant for what happens when your customers actually get a hold of the product and be don't wait for it to filter through all of the various layers before it gets back to you. And right. I've seen this in very effectively done in, in consumer products and, and workstations and a couple other products where 
they deliberately take a part of the team from the design team. So an electrical engineer, mechanical engineer, software engineer, and so on, a handful of folks. Yeah. And they put them in a, in a real close to the customer service or the repair center, wherever field problems first get identified. Yeah. And then they make a, a Her- Herculean, who's that? Herculean. Herculean effort <laughs> to get as much information about the circumstance and environment of how the failure was found or what happened and that kind of stuff and get the product back. And they, and they would ship out the new product and get them the product back, even relatively inexpensive products. They were really diligent for a couple of months. And then that team would do a detailed failure analysis and, and propose, and they were part of the design team and key people in it. So they, knew the design, they knew what was possible and not possible, and they could had a fast track to put changes through. Um, and every place I've seen the team and, you know, they invest five engineers, talented design engineers uh-huh. to, for two months to, to super speed up the fixing field issues. Not only did it reduce the field failure rate, but it reduced mm-hmm. it faster and lower than in, in their previous products where they would wait for customer service to say, hey, here's our Pareto from the last quarter. We think yeah. we have a problem here. Right. <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Right. Right. And that's great. I mean, that sounds like an excellent company. That's, that's what they should be doing. E- either they do that, you know, plus, of course, the halt testing before they go to the cu- customer, but mm-hmm. then putting in. And, you know, they're never going to know when a customer is going to put it into a new application or a new uh Sometimes a new condition without telling Yeah, what do you them. mean I can't throw this in a pinball machine and let it bounce around? It's perfect for that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I'll just yeah. make this big dice and throw it in a big old basket yeah. that bounces around all the time. You know, we'll see yeah, what happens. Yeah, so. But yeah, they, you know, pinball machines were illegal in New York and for a long time. And just regular places, pinball they, machines? Well, it or was gambling early ones. pinball machines didn't have flippers, so okay. they pretty much were a game of chance. It was actual pins and the ball dropping through. Oh, and then you'd bet uh, on it. I see. Yeah, yeah. But uh, for up and through the 60s uh, into even the early 70s, it was illegal. They were uh, deemed illegal in many states uh, because they were considered a gambling machine. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't until a guy named Roger Sharp uh, who I've met and talked with, uh, showed the New York city commissioners or county commissioners, whatever, New York commissioners, that pinball was a game of skill and, uh, and how much tax revenue they could get out of the pinball. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's true. Uh, but, uh, it, it'll be interesting. There's a movie coming out just for all you pinball, uh, reliability people called the man who saved pinball. So it'll be coming out soon and you'll see it, but it's, it's an interesting story of, of of fear of these machines and they didn't make them strong enough to withstand sledgehammers, which people reduce. (laughs) (laughs) That's how they destroyed them when they found them. (laughs) They smashed them when they found them. Oh man. Machines. Yeah, you know, there's all kinds of stresses out there. You know, if, you, if they <laughs> yeah. would have built it in, you know, two-inch-thick titanium, they might have had a better chance. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, well, yeah. So, yeah, we we realize the need for, let's just summarize that we need uh, some kind of testing at the end of assembly uh, and some kind of inspections. But the key here is to pick the... The ones you have evidence are either 
uh, marginal that you need to focus on, either have been a problem in the field or you found early in your testing of design and you can't really change it, like you talked about the ring and the glue, Mm -hmm. uh, that you really don't want to change it, that you didn't have to monitor these key processes key processes and the key process indicators uh, and and don't rely on inspection as Deming always talked about. You, you'll never get 100%. That's no, for sure. That's for sure. Yeah. And I would add uh, this other step is to res- respond to field failures expeditiously. You know, <laughs> and, and when you first launch a product, especially a volume product, is you got to get on it really fast because right. you're making too many of them too fast and you probably won't get a lot of them back because they're probably inexpensive you know yeah. i mean i don't know it depends on the depends product. on your policies and how much you, you do right. this stuff but it's possible but anyway there's lots of things you can do and i think thinking through what the priorities are and where you're going to invest to get the best return is mm-hmm. the way to approach it you just can't do everything and it's folly to do nothing so uh, right but that was an interesting question that came through is, you know, how do you go about doing this? And and so there's one outline of it. And I think I actually need to go amend my answer because I, talking through <laughs> it with you, Kirk, has made me think of a couple other things and you brought yeah. up a couple. But that's the idea. If you've got a question, hand it on over and we'll get you a response and then we'll probably talk about it uh, one or more episodes on the show. And it may change our our under you know our understanding and stuff. I think just having you know folks you can go talk shop with is always a good way to learn and hash through ideas and challenge each other and stuff like that. But give us some fodder here to go chew on. It's, you know, send us over your thoughts and questions or things that you're concerned about. We'd love to help if we can. Especially and, new technologies. If you guys out there are dealing with new technologies, that's what I I haven't kept up with as much. But we'd love to hear about. Any of those things. And how, how they fail, especially. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kirk. Well, that, uh, well, I should say, um, I've asked you for asked to send the questions over. Go over to ascendoreliability.com slash go slash S-O-R, and that will get you to a couple. Uh, a page that has a couple of ways to get in touch with us. Kirk and I and the other hosts are available through LinkedIn. And we have uh, contact information on our about pages also on Ascendo. So plenty of ways for you to get in touch and we look forward to hearing from you. Thanks, Fred. All right. Thanks, Kirk. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Talk to you later. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Speaking of Reliability. We invite you to join the conversation If you have a question or a topic that you think we should discuss in a future show, please let us know. You can find a comment box below the episode show notes, or just leave a note as part of a review on iTunes.